Welcome to the Groundbreaking Guide to Third-Party and Supply Chain Risk Management, How Exeger's Trades Framework Revolutionizes Third-Party Risk Management and Supply Chain Risk Management in 2021 and Beyond. In this special six-part podcast series sponsored by Exeger on the Trades Framework, we will look at how the Trades Framework is a cutting-edge but actionable blueprint to build a modern third-party and supply chain risk management program. Over the next six episodes, I will be speaking with Exeter's experts as we go through each layer of the trades framework at the tactical, program, and strategic levels. We will put a spotlight on transparency into your current state with Skylar Chai and Tim Stone, discuss risk methodology with Teresa Cambabasso and Matt Hayden, assess current risks with Laura Tolchin and Peter Jackson, determine mitigations with Carrie Wibben and Aaron Narva, evaluate the trades framework uplift with Brandon Daniels and Josh Teal, and end with Brandon Daniels and Erica Peters, who will give a review of supplier monitoring and close out with how government and critical industries are leading the charge using the trades framework to outpace threats and vulnerabilities while minimizing third-party risk management gaps. In this concluding episode six, we look at supplier monitoring and recap and overview the podcast series with Brandon Daniels, President Global Markets, and Erica Peters, Managing Director, Global Markets Group, Head of Tech Transformation. There's also an S in the trades framework, and that's for supplier monitoring. So, Erica, if I could start with a question, why is supplier monitoring so critical? Hi, Tom. Thanks. Um, I'm so glad we get the chance to talk about supplier monitoring, also known as the S or the last part of the trades framework. Um, It's extremely important as it's one of the parts that uphold the long-term adherence to the other elements of the framework and ensures the evolution of the program over time as the threat and the landscapes similarly evolves and changes. Um, It is where the organization really benefits from the clear and concise program documented and the data that is gathered um, on the supplier ecosystem, um, stakeholder ownership, uh, a clear risk framework. Um, What makes supplier monitoring critical is that the organization is no longer trying to cover everything. The process helps the organization just focus and um, continuously identify where they need to engage and manage their third party and supply chain risks when relevant. So organizations should ensure their view of the threat and opportunity landscape is dynamically addressed through monitoring. Um, It'll help avoid to be blindsided by any of those new unknown risks um, based on the changes which often occur as a third party's strategy or operations change as well as you know, their contributions to the organization. Um, monitoring suppliers in a mature program would also include monitoring some of these external risk factors and using these data points to be proactive. Um, being able to be in the know um, will allow you to react faster. Everything comes down to knowing more sooner in order to mitigate the risks faster as soon as they arise in turn 
um, minimizing the potential business impact and, you know, ultimately your bottom line. <laughs> I think most listeners understand the importance um, I'm referring to here and, you know, want to stay on top of their supplier network. However, find themselves unable to keep up with the changes and therefore assess their suppliers or their third party, you know, at onboarding and, and therefore just place it up on a shelf. Um, Exeter, you know, and myself have been very focused on solving this challenge, which is really not that dissimilar to what I've been working on for years in the know your customer space. So if it's done right, supplier monitoring allows an organization to be proactive and at times even predictive, um, but certainly, you know, doing the monitoring well will put them ahead of their comp competitors um, when reacting to the supplier market. And, you know, their competitors are relying on these same third, um, third parties. And so, therefore, this will help them, you know, position themselves during business's usual activities as well as in a crisis, being on top of all these risks um, when they need to. Um, so, you know, you're only as good as the information you have. And supplier monitoring will allow you to have a lot of information at your fingertips, making it so important as part of the trades framework. Brendan, if I could ask you, how would you suggest uh, implementation of a supplier monitoring program? Yeah, and and Tom, I mean, one of the things that Erica talked about is that um, in the prior parts of the framework, you establish a, a high volume of transparency into your supplier network into your distributor network, into those critical third and fourth and fifth and sixth parties um, that you need to monitor uh, at, the, at this last phase. You also establish and agree and then evaluate the efficacy of the risk methodology and the risk assessment that you're conducting on those vendors, right? And so... Supplier monitoring should be that point in the story where you're getting to make use of that hard work that you've done elsewhere, right? And so the implementation of it should be a constant refresh of those data inputs that you created, that you curated, that you sourced in order to initially instigate your supplier monitoring or to, excuse me, your supplier risk assessment, right? And so be just refreshing those data points, right? Uh, essentially, we'll just constantly recalibrate, constantly monitor, constantly find those spikes that peak out to you, right? And, you know, risk, the kinds of risks that we're ta talking about are not linear. They're octagonal, right? I mean, you could have a, a, a risk in your operational issues. You could have a risk in cyber. You could have a risk in legal. You could have a risk in your sort of reputational uh, business dealings, right? So you can have different things that peak, or you could have all of your things that sort of show that you're an organization in disarray, right? And so as long as you consistently refresh those inputs, that you have used in order to initially assess the priorities um, of risk that you have across your third party, fourth party, fifth party, sixth party ecosystem, 
then you are inherently doing supplier monitoring, right? You're using that legwork that you've done in the rest of the trades framework. The other thing that you need in order to implement that is a consistent and continuous view of how uh, effective your risk assessment is, right? Because you want to make sure that the risks that you're looking for are the risks that you want to highlight into the future. And so it's, in supplier monitoring, making sure that you are um, essentially testing the things that get left behind, right? Those low risk vendors, those low and medium, those high, those those medium risk vendors that sit below a threshold of risk tolerance, and making sure that you've got the right risk prioritization in in place to instigate an alert when you need it. The other thing about this that supplier about supplier monitoring that's great, Tom, is it gets rid of this world, the old world of from scratch vendor refresh or from scratch distributor refresh or you know semi annual audits. Right, you're now instigating a refresh or an audit based upon a change to the vendor's details, to the vendor's information. To, to the vendor's risk posture, right? And so, you know, these these routine audits, these big projects, these million-dollar projects we do every year in order to refresh, you know, 10,000 out of the 20,000 total vendors that we know we've got um, or to do deep due diligence on 5,000 of them randomly on an audit basis, you know, that used to cost us so much money. We're now doing that incrementally, you know, turning this into a much lower operational cost for us because now we're instigating when something changes, right? And so implementing this appropriately means continuously making sure that you input your data, you, you update your data inputs to making sure that you are assessing your risk framework. Uh, and three, it is ensuring that as long as you don't have major changes to your risk landscape that you are allowing the framework to do what it's meant to do, which is lower the friction of compliance and actually make, make compliance a business accelerant when you've found distributors and third parties and supply chains that are able to deliver for you on time and cost effectively. Erica, I was wondering if you might be able to expand on some of the points Brendan raised about not an effective supplier monitoring system, but using the information from your supplier monitoring system effectively. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, you know, as, as Brandon, I've kind of mentioned it, it's all about flagging and determining where you need to consider a vendor and, and actually take action. And the foundation of supplier monitoring is directly tied, um, as Brandon said, to the previous work, and most importantly, the risk methodology and risk tolerance of an organization. So supplier monitoring will not be effective if, if the risk appetite statement determined during parts of like the R and the A of the trades framework focused on risk methodology design and assessing the risks are not clearly documented and understood. So a large piece of supplier monitoring is having visibility of flags on suppliers, but not necessarily needing to mitigate, you know, 
it, it, all the risks that you see are identified, um, which should be directly aligned to your risk appetite statement. So, for example, um, you know, if you have some adverse news or profile change, they're not all equal. And you may decide just to watch a risk trend first. For example, if you see an accusation um, of, of a third, like um, towards a third party, you know, that may not be, uh, you know, high enough risk to do anything about, but you may want to watch it and see, does it lead to an investigation? Is it going to end up in a charge? Is anyone being prosecuted here? And so all these different levels of risk, a company may agree to accept depending on their risk appetite. Um, so it, I think that similarly, it's also the, the subject of the risk. So, you know, who, who is it at the, the third party? Is it the third party itself? Is it a CEO? Um, is it a, a financial crime or fraud that we're talking about or something that's lower risk? So everything goes back to how does the company view risks and what do they care about most? And is anything in the monitoring tripping that? And so, you know, we've kind of seen this in, in um, well, I guess the next thing I would just mention is you have this risk appetite statement and tolerance, but the next step where you really want to go is creating a threshold. Um, Brandon touched on it slightly, but you want to create a line that systematically can help set up some rules or just help the analyst to determine which monitoring flags break the tolerance that you've identified and needs to be escalated for reassessment. So that threshold determination is a key part of monitoring. Um, you want to identify if you've broken that threshold, do you therefore now need to start looking at, do you still want to continue doing business with this um, vendor or do you just want to mitigate by refreshing a questionnaire or those types of actions? And that kind of goes back into the trades framework. Um, so, you know, where we see um, risk management and procurement programs break down is because there's too much stuff going on. But what we're saying is, you know, and I previously was a compliance professional, so I've, I've definitely been there and I, and I sort of kind of speak from experience, but the supplier monitoring is how we get out of that situation as we're effective, like, especially if it's effectively implemented, because it helps the teams responsible derive and focus on what is important and only look at those items tripping the thresholds. And, you know, we do this well in other risk departments. You know, we, we've read it in the news and we've been part of it as a consumer, for example, in credit risk. You know, they've set up thresholds that if you, you know, you, you break that risk tolerance in terms of um, credit risk, you're not given a loan. Or in banking, you know, if you have, you know, a customer coming in and their money laundering risk is too high, you don't get to be banked. And so third party and supplier risk management want to take a similar approach. Um, finally, this part of trades is no different than the others that we spoke about. Um, there must be a feedback loop. So once you have an issue or thresholds are passed, you want to pick up from that part in the trades framework, take the issue or the new risk, assess it, determine the mitigation, reevaluate and reinform, you know, the first part of the program, the risk methodology, the risk appetite, you know, constantly tune it and hone it and use this, um, this information coming through to do that. So in summary, you know, to effectively use supplier monitoring, we must create risk thresholds, which, you know, fit into that risk appetite of the organization. Um, this is really where the rubber meets the road. We want to review these risks against thresholds, ideally measuring, you know, the criticality of a supplier, the inherent risk of the supplier, the macro levels which impact the supplier. And this will really help, 
you know, reduce those fire drills and keep an organization within the risk appetite and you know at all times um, what's going on, not when something is blowing up or a, a risk assessment of an entity, you know, needs to be, you know, refreshed uh, or dusted off, kind of like what Brandon was alluding to. Yeah, and and I just to and just to add one piece to this, right? Because we were talking about how in evaluate framework uplift, it's the first time that you get to see in the maturity model. Am I ready to move to that next level? Right. The supplier monitoring transforms when you've moved all the way up that maturity scale, and you know that you are in a proactive, maybe even predictive forecasting sort of mode. And then you can do cool stuff with supplier monitoring because you, you've mitigated and you've accepted the risks that are in your population. You might have onesie, twosie, urgent issues that come up, but then you can start to say, okay, in 18 months, if geopolitical tensions continue to move the way that they do, right, um, can I rely on my supplier network? And you can start to predict where those issues might come up, right? You can start to avoid the semiconductor crunch or the copper crunch or the resin crunch that we've seen occur in these industries across our critical infrastructure that are just, they're hindering uh, major industries, they're hindering current growth, right? And so, Tom, you know, this is the, the, the point at which you've made it through the trades framework like we've talked about, and you've achieved this sort of um, iterative improvement in your maturity along trades, right? You can then start to get into a place where this entire risk management function is no longer about risk management. It's about competitive differentiation. Brendan, I have a few minutes left, but I was wondering if you might be able to conclude with some other considerations on monitoring your third-party ecosystem and supplier network. Yeah, I, I would say that there, there are a couple of things um, that, that I think are, are specific considerations. One, um, it's making sure that you consistently and routinely ensure that the data elements and the information that you have um, to make decisions um, are not only refreshed, but are but are understood and 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 to make sure that there's checks and balances, right? So, you know, if you ask someone 24 months ago, right, uh, that is in supply chain, are you concerned about cyber risk? In very few industries, would they have said yes? They'd say no. That's the system, right? If you ask them that today, they'd all say yes. And so. You have to, one, ensure that you are considering the evolution of your risk landscape. And then, two, it's what I was talking about before, right? You should be constantly trying to achieve a de minimis amount of end state change in your vendor ecosystem, right? Your monitoring should become, you know, ought point one percent of your activity uh, on an ongoing basis if you've tuned and you've honed your vendor ecosystem appropriately, right? If you've got 10,000 vendors, you know, maybe having 10 a week that you do some sort of review on activity around um, should be your goal. 
because then you reach that level of maturity where, again, that forecasted risk will become a business accelerant. And so those are the two major things that I would leave folks with as they start to think about employing supplier monitoring in the context of third-party and supply chain risk management. Brennan and Erica, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time, but I greatly look forward to continuing our conversation down the road. Perfect. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Tom. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I'd like to thank you for listening to this concluding episode of our six-part exploration of the trades framework. This special six-part podcast series has been a special production of the Compliance Podcast Network. If you'd like more information on the trades framework, I've linked to it in the show notes. I urge you to check it out as it's one of the most innovative ideas and frameworks in third-party risk management that I've seen in quite some time.